his karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams, thanks for everything, mom and dad, will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Welcome to Sunday Take for August 21st, 2022. I'm your host, Blois Olson. Well, we keep kind of pressing forward with this election season and The week ahead has two significant starts. One, the start of the Minnesota State Fair, the great Minnesota get-together, where we will get the next glimpse at the mood of Minnesota, especially in the governor's race and some of the key statewide races. Next Sunday, Sunday Take will be live at the fair at 9 a.m., and we will host a debate between the two candidates for auditor, incumbent Julie Blaha, of the DFL and challenger Ryan Wilson of the Minnesota Republican Party should be lively. Stop by and visit, say hello. I'll hang out after and uh, chat up with anybody who's there. Uh, You know, the state fair is really one of my true uh, loves of this state. Uh, And one of the reasons is, is because you get a read on where people are at. Uh, This past Friday, I wrote in Morning Take about the retail nature of the Jensen Burke campaign and how it's unique. It has a different kind of energy. And it's one thing to watch at the State Fair. On this week's show, we're going to check in with St. Paul Mayor Melvin Carter about his budget proposal, which has a 15% tax increase. But he explains why there are shifts required uh, due to some legal issues in the city of St. Paul. And those legal issues aren't settlements, but rather a ruling about assessments. It might seem wonky, but it matters. And then how he's got an innovative program to bring home ownership to some people who have never been afforded or they were displaced by Rondo. It's not the best way to do things, but I think it's kind of a catalyst program that could be a model. And then let's talk back to school. There's politics in our schools. I know there always has been. But the way people are responding, the way people are choosing their college roommates, it seems to be another point where we're just not willing to either keep the politics out of the school or acknowledge that people with different views could spark discussion rather than division. I'm Blaise Olson. Coming up next, Mayor Melvin Carter. You're listening to News Talk 830 WCCO. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. 
But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams, thanks for everything, mom and dad, will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org slash savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of colors starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. My first guest this Sunday on Sunday Take is St. Paul Mayor Melvin Carter. I wanted to have him on to talk about his budget that he unveiled this last week, how things are going in St. Paul, and it's been a while since we caught up. Mayor, thanks for joining me on Sunday Take. Hey, thanks a bunch. I appreciate you having me on. Well, um, the 30-second soundbite is that you're raising taxes double-digit percent. Why, how, and uh, what's the story behind the numbers? Uh, I appreciate the question. And, and, and yes, I hear the 30-second version quite a bit. Uh, our economy is in a, a, a strange place. Inflation has hit all of us hard. It's hit the city just as hard as it's hit folks. Um, and our first goal was to set out to make sure that we're very uh, cautious about how we spend. Of course, the paradox of city budgeting is uh, if we uh, disinvest in our roads or disinvest in our libraries or disinvest in our recreation centers or disinvest in uh, the folks who help folks, you know, reinvent, re, reinvest in their home or reinvest in their business, um, then it, that also hits people hard as well. We found ourselves in a, in, a, in a tough place, frankly, because we received an unfavorable court ruling earlier this summer that required us to take our street maintenance program. And you and I have talked before about how now we need yep. significant more investment in our streets, not less investment in our streets right now. That required us to take our street maintenance program and take the way that we funded our street maintenance program, which is through assessments, assessing St. Paul property owners. Yep. And the court compelled said we had to change that system. So more than half of that increase you just described, and this is important for people to understand, more than half of that increase you described is an amount that we otherwise and normally in last year uh, would have collected from St. Paul property owners through assessments that we're taking just dollar for dollar and collecting that exact same amount from St. Paul property owners, but through property taxes instead. It's not new money for the city. It's not more money for the city to work with. The portion that's more money for the city to work with um, that addresses kind of the rising costs of salaries and fuel and energy and everything else uh, is a 7.6% increase. And it was very important for us to keep that below the 9% inflation level uh, to make sure that we can demonstrate to our St. Paul residents, property tax owners and businesses, uh, the extent to which uh, we are working very hard to be responsible stewards of those dollars. You know, Mayor, I, I think that's important 
and let's talk about just for a, a second that court case because St. Paul has, you know, probably um, it's more than its fair share of non-tax paying uh, property owners, right? Churches, right. colleges, schools, nonprofits. Does that is that a different balance than other cities? Does that play into this balance? And I, and I say that because. I think when you look at the whole city, you don't see it that way, but then you compare it to another city of your size and maybe those universities, state government buildings, all of those kinds of things uh, give you guys maybe a little higher burden on people who don't pay uh, property taxes at the rate of an office building or a restaurant or or a mall. That's exactly right. I think it's about a third of our city uh, that is tax exempt property. Um, You know, we're, we're, we're glad to be the state capital. We're glad to have, uh, you know, the, the hospitals and the universities that we have uh, in our city. They help. Uh, they also are tax exempt. So that uh, assessments system was built 20 years ago uh, to try to uh, invite and ask kind of those properties to do their part and be a part of uh, helping us maintain the streets that they obviously use as well. Um, it, it's, a, it's a system that the court has told us we can't use in that way anymore. Uh, and so we just we, we well, I was going to say we have no choice, but we do have a choice. We could decide to just disinvest in our streets by 15 million dollars a year. Uh, but I'll tell you, I don't know anybody who would are who's driven on our, our, our streets recently uh, <laughs> anywhere in this area who would suggest that now is a good time to do that. My guest is St. Paul Mayor Melvin Carter. We're talking about his budget proposal, which increased property taxes due to the fact that assessments are no longer acceptable due to a court case. Let's talk about a topic we've talked about before. Um, and you include an increase in, in spending on public safety and fire in your budget. Talk about wages and recruitment and how that's going, what your sense is. It's not just an issue in St. Paul. It's an issue all over the country, all over the state. Right. Um, and I talked to one leader in government recently who said that for kind of normal office government employees if remote work wasn't a possibility now after the pandemic that they they thought they would lose even more employees so talk about retention and recruitment of public safety officers police officers and and kind of your vision for public safety in st paul absolutely our vision for public safety of st paul is simple uh, it's that our public safety framework has to start way before someone calls 911 Uh, The work of our police officers, our firefighters, our paramedics is absolutely sacred, and we appreciate the sacrifice and the work that they do every single day. And we also desire a comprehensive public safety framework that sets them up in a better position by saying, we're not going to wait until after something terrible happens. We're not going to wait until after somebody calls 911 to invest in public safety. We're going to invest proactively to help reduce the likelihood that something terrible will happen in the first place. That's the frame you and I have discussed a few times through our community first public safety framework, and that's really important to us. Um, we're adding police officers. Uh, we just uh, graduated our largest police academy in city history earlier this year. Uh, just this week, we started another uh, a couple dozen officers, uh, officer cadets uh, in training. And before the end of the year, we'll do a third one. I don't I, I don't know when the last time, I don't know if St. Paul's ever had three police academies uh, in one year, but we're focused on helping to support our officers, but then also doing creative other things like the optimal response to ensure that when people are in crisis, but there's no like real emergency or crime happening that we can bring 
uh, housing counselors and social workers and people like that who can help them solve the problem um, while sort of offloading some work for our emergency responders so they can respond more quickly. That work is working. We were able to show just yesterday that because of the uh, EMTs, the basic life support unit, we essentially a bunch of EMTs on an ambulance uh, that help respond to lesser acute emergencies in our city. We've been able to uh, improve our response time for paramedic calls by nearly a full minute. In a medical emergency, that's a life-saving minute. And so we're excited to be able to do that. But one of the things that we announced yesterday that I'm excited about, one of the most predictable cycles that we face with regard to gun violence is that survivors of gun violence are significantly more likely to become uh, victims uh, or perpetrators of gun violence in the future. That's a cycle that's predictable, that's we, that we've lived for generations, and that we can actually do something about. So one of the investments that I made that's in the, that I'm proposing, that's in that vein of like those proactive investments that can help us reduce and break some of those cycles is a significant investment, about $500,000 in wraparound service, support services for survivors of gun violence to help reduce the likelihood that they'll be either be a per- become a perpetrator or a victim of uh, additional gun violence in the future. Those are the type of uh, creative solutions that our team is bringing to bear, and we're excited to see the outcomes we can produce with them. When you say that, what is that? What are what are the what's the granular pieces of that quote wraparound service? Because I think people hear it, they feel it, they sense it, and we do need these interventions. But you know, frankly, if you talk to Everyday people, they like, just stop. How do we just make the gun violence stop? So are there granular examples on the wraparound services that you think, you know, you know, kind of expedite that uh, intervention? Um, sure. You know, it's, 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 it's crisis counseling. It's mental health. It's, it's, it's those types of things. Um, I do share that I don't expect this to be a 10-month solution. I don't expect this to be a, you know, a, a, a couple weeks, you know, magic wand sort of thing that suddenly will will eliminate these challenges that we have brought ourselves into over the course of generations. Um, obviously, part of the reason we have so much gun violence in our community is because we have so many guns in our community, and we're going to be we're going to continue to look uh, to our state legislature and our federal partners uh, for solutions to help reduce the amount of guns that are in our community. Uh, sadly, some of the same folks who want to troll uh, urban cities around gun violence are also the same ones uh, whose inaction makes it possible uh, for everybody to have a gun in communities. And that becomes a a significant frustration in our lives. Um, But where this is concerned, uh, when we talk about wraparound support services, uh, it's it's somewhat obvious as someone who's a survivor of gun violence, um, there is uh, physical trauma, uh, there's emotional trauma, uh, there's oftentimes economic trauma, and those types of things uh, help to keep people stuck uh, in cycles of desperation. And people who are uh, in desperate situations are more likely to act out in desperation. And that's what we're trying to reduce. Got it. I want to wrap on one note uh, that I know you've been working on. I know it's complicated, but I think it's in contrast to kind of the tax proposal and those kinds of things. Obviously, um, I work with a lot of developers. I work with Minnesota multi-housing. You and I have talked about uh, rent control, rent stabilization, and the idea of you know capping rents uh, and the tweaks to that proposal. Um, as you think about getting developers back into the city, 
after they've paused kind of uh, waiting to see how this proposal works its way out. What's your sense of what's possible and, 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 you know, the same inflationary costs apply to those developers or those, um, you know, uh, property managers as they try to figure out how to economically navigate uh, this weird period we're in. That, uh, that's the only way to describe it, I think. Full employment and inflation. It wasn't in my economics class, Mayor. Um, <laughs> um, talk about what you see for the future of development and housing in St. Paul. You know, the great thing is there's a large uh, market. Uh, there's a large demand for housing in St. Paul. Uh, anybody who's been on, you know, Realtor.com or any of the uh, real estate websites or anybody who's been looking to buy or rent in St. Paul knows just how quickly a property that becomes available in St. Paul that ends up getting snatched up. That's a good sign. It means people still want to live in St. Paul. It means people are excited to move here uh, from around the country, from around the state. Uh, and uh, that function in and of itself is going to keep developers interested because this is a place where you can make some money. Um, I have said from the beginning that I think the policy passed by voters last fall requires some significant changes. We've been working with our city council uh, to be able to move some of those changes forward. We have a draft in front of the city council right now. Uh, One of the things that's been a line in the sand for me is we absolutely have to have an exemption for new housing construction so that we can continue to incentivize and facilitate new construction of housing units. Uh, We need thousands more units in our city, and that's something that's going to be critical. That is a part of the ordinance that the city council has brought forward. I look forward to them uh, having their public hearings, doing their process, and voting on that as soon as possible, and I've committed to signing it as soon as they do. Mayor Carter, thanks for joining me on Sunday Take. We'll catch up again soon. Thank you. You're not going to ask me about the inheritance fund? You can talk about the inheritance fund. I'm sorry. You know, I just looked at the clock here, but we can we can push a couple more minutes. I mean, Mayor, I'm saying. Mayor, what, what's the inheritance fund? I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> it's a big deal for us. You know, uh, one of the biggest, um, you know, we, we have cycles of poverty. We have cycles of disparity. We have cycles of challenge and inequity in our city. Some of those are uh, dictated and created by global winds that, you know, it's hard for us to kind of do something acute about. Some of those are dictated by local decisions and local actions we made right here on the local level. The biggest example of that is the legacy of the decimation of Old Rondo, in which a once thriving, uh, socially and economically diverse community was uprooted to build I-94. We've all said we're sorry. We've all said we regret that. But none of that will replace the $100 million in wealth that was taken from St. Paul families to build that freeway. And so our proposal is, and many of those families who had a significant family inheritance before that have not been able to rebuild that over the last 50 years since that happened. So our proposal is to create a very significant investment up to $100,000 to purchase a new home or up to uh, $85,000 to renovate an existing home for um, descendants of old Rondo who can demonstrate that they're the direct descendant of someone who lost a property on Old Rondo to build the freeway uh, to help facilitate uh, home ownership, to help facilitate uh, home improvements, and most importantly, to help facilitate wealth creation and the ability to regenerate some of those family inheritances that were taken to build the freeway. You know, it, it is important we talk about that. Uh, I know it's a key initiative. Um and we will extend just a couple seconds here because I, one of the things that I've talked to 
people about or, or give an example of is how property ownership, home ownership is a, is a wealth creator and it's a generational wealth creator. And I grew up in an apartment with a mom who rented, uh, but I've been able to buy homes. And I used the example a couple of uh, months ago with somebody. I said, I've owned my current home for eight years and all I've done is pay my mortgage. And that property has gained a f- couple hundred thousand dollars. In- That's right. And all I did was pay my mortgage. I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, I worked hard. I paid my mortgage. Right, of course. But if I was renting, um, that that wealth doesn't get created. And that doesn't take anything away from renting is is still an option. It's still key That's to right. the economy and all those things. But But when I heard your proposal, I did think about it in those terms of how to to create wealth, generational wealth. And we're not talking about generational retirement wealth. We're just talking about like a little boost for, you know, then you have equity that you can borrow against, or you can send your college kids to college against, or you can retire against. That's exactly it, boys. And what you have to realize is uh, that home that you're talking about, if you were renting it, it would actually cost you significantly more to rent that space. And so that's a part of how families end up getting stuck in poverty because they're paying more uh, for to get less, right? And to not be able to build that wealth you're talking about, to not be able to accumulate that value that you're talking about. Um, and their families who have been uh, reliably paying rent for years uh, and not been able to build that. So this goal is to just be able to get families over that initial hump that gets in the way of homeownership to help just start that process of wealth creation, help start that process uh, of, of, uh, of building value and building that inheritance. Uh, and we're really excited to see uh, what impact we can have on our communities by doing it. All right. Now we got to go because there's commercials and they have to pay for the show. So mayor, that's right. Man, Sunday take. Uh, thank you much. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast old man winter here if i had it my way it would stay winter all year long short days wind chill black ice and a good polar vortex (laughs) heaven wait is it getting warm in here your cold snap is over old man winter spring has arrived 
spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, (laughs) nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. We're back. Before we get to our next guest, I want to just kind of sum up some of the back-to-school chatter and trend. This week, NBC News released a poll with Generation Lab. It's the views and attitudes of younger Americans. And this is where we started to see this political divide. The question is, could you see yourself choosing a room with someone in college that supported someone opposite of you in the 2020 election? And 20% say definitely, 34% say probably, but 19% say definitely not, and 27% say probably not. Add that a little farther, and how about a relationship? Would you go on a date with someone if you knew they supported the opposite person in the 2020 presidential election? 16% said yes, definitely. 31% said yes, probably, but a total of 53% of Americans said either no, probably not, or definitely not. I mean, it's one thing to divide and vote and and campaign. It's another thing to kind of isolate yourself amongst only people who think like you. But there just seems to be a political dynamic to back to school this year. The Minneapolis teachers contract made national news this week, not just on Fox, but on Good Morning America, about a clause that said teachers of color are not to be dismissed first. Now, we need to attract more teachers of color. We need, we know that data shows that students of color respond better to teachers of color. So this is a very admirable goal, but the idea that it creates this tension and this divide. Along with that, up in Becker, the school board passed a rule about what teachers can hang in their rooms. What's political speech in your room? Some days it just feels like we're making things harder than they need to be. And we need to have a more basic view of what school's role is. I mean, I feel like if you just started over, wiped the slate clean and said, 
We're going to work on reading. We're going to work on math. We're going to work on social studies. We're going to work on FIAD. Here's that. And this is what we're going to do. And then you watch to see how the teachers and the students worked to those ends. And then figure out mental health. And then figure out other community engagements. You know, um, teachers recently said the one interrupter in every class is the cell phone. What if we had a statewide rule that said no cell phones visible in class? Or if every district just did that? The kids have a lot to deal with these days. Social media online, the internet has a lot to do with it. The dynamics in our communities and our society have more to do with it. But as we get back to school, the idea of just having to worry about folders and notebooks and maybe even trapper keepers would seem to be an admirable or a laudable point of view. That maybe we don't need to make it as complicated. Maybe we don't need to make schools as political. I just feel like we're making some things harder than they need to be. My next guest is Ron Cresha. He's a Republican. He's from the House. He's their education lead. He's going to talk to us about kind of the way school districts are navigating this, what he's hearing from teachers. And I think he'll give a view of what greater Minnesota communities look for in their schools that may be different. And that's okay because we're all different. I'm Blaise Olson. You're listening to Sunday Take on News Talk 830 WCCO. Final conversation and cup of coffee this Sunday morning is with Ron Cresha. He's a state representative. He's one of the Republican leads on education in St. Paul, and he joins me now. Representative, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. So I feel like over the last week, as we get ready to go back to school, I have a senior I'm watching all my friends drop their kids off at college. And this week there was a poll out that says even college roommates don't want a room with somebody who has differing political views. And then I see kind of some of the Minneapolis contract issues, some of the controversies in Becker, Minnesota. And it just feels like the old worry about your notebooks, your pencils and your backpack. It it just feels more political this year, um, which shouldn't surprise me because everything's political. But what's your sense? What do you hear from constituents and from education leaders about kind of the culture or the focus of education right now? Well, first of all, um, congratulations on the senior. I have my fourth child who will be a senior. And then I'm also dropping another kid off at uh, Madison, um, who just got back from the AmeriCorps. So I, I got it. Completely agree with uh, where you're at and see that whole scenario. And it leads into this conversation. And I'll just say, frankly, I'm I'm saddened as a former educator uh, who still works on a lot of things by what we've what we've done and changed our focus away from the, the children and the students and their college career. Let me put it to you this way. I mean, I, our focus right now at the state level should be how do we make sure that the funding is correct? How do we make sure that we have quality teachers? How do we make sure that the resources are available? And more importantly, how are we hitting high academic standards? Because a student should not be afraid 
to go to college and worry about somebody who is of differing opinion, they should be more comfortable going in and saying, hey, how do I have a conversation with somebody who is of differing opinion? And how do I have the skills to sort through that conversation and learn from it? When when I originally left uh, Nebraska and came up to Minnesota, one of the things that I embraced was the diversity. I had people from all over the country that I had never met with different ideas and different cultural backgrounds. We've lost that. We, we've let politics become a stifling part of discussion. And I think that's wrong. I think that's really setting our kids back when they should be going into education for what it truly is, which is how do I have hard conversation and increase my perspective on life so that I become a better citizen? When you bring that up that way, I want to get to kind of teachers and budgets next, but let's stay on the politicization of schools and education where, you know, some, sometimes it feels like it's coming from the students in, in certain cases, right? Like, you know, I I know you'll find this shocking, but I had some provocative opinions when I was in high school that I wrote Mm -hmm. in a student paper. Uh, One that sits out regularly is how I criticize the librarians for kind of stifling conversation um but but some of it comes from the students um and as a newspaper editor i always you know kind of wanted that free speech some of it comes from parents who want to make sure that their child is not you know being bullied because of politics or because of uh you know lifestyle uh issues some of it comes from teachers and and we've gone through this pandemic and right mental health aspect which everybody agrees is a major issue it just feels like there's not um there's not uh an outline or a roadmap to say you know here's the way we all need to go um and i don't necessarily think that needs to come from higher ups but do do local districts always have the tools how do how do you school boards what do you hear from school boards about navigating that in these issues So I think that what we've done is we've allowed the fear of not letting people think become a stifling factor in the classroom. Listen, we as parents, whatever my background is, I'm going to have conversations with my kids and I differ with my kids as well. And they want to come in. I've had plenty of conversations where my kids have challenged uh, teachers and administrators and ideas in the school and they should right? That's okay. That's what we want our kids to do. The problem we have now is parents thinking they should tell the school board one way or the other and, and letting teachers fall into this trap of telling kids how to think one way or the other. My best teachers, and I tried to do this and I'm sure you did, I had no idea where they were politically. In fact, they always took the opposite view of me and pushed me into realms of why do you think that way? Yeah. And, and pushed me academically. That's what education and that's what we should be allowing our teachers to do. And I fault many teachers who think it's their job to teach their kids how to think. It's your job to let your, your students go until they come to a logical conclusion that either makes sense or doesn't make sense. We don't do that anymore. We, we tell the kids, this is where I want you to be rather than, hey, how about if you get to that point in your thinking but through a series of questions? That's what bothers me now is, our schools and especially our higher ed should be a place where kids make lots of academic mistakes until they figure it out. Because 
<laughs> you know, it's wonderful to have the academic and philosophical conversations. And then as I have professors that have told me, then you have to earn a paycheck. So yep. at some point you have to, you have to balance the altruism out there and the fun ways of thinking versus, okay, now how do I actually raise a family, pay the bills and, and still keep some of that intact and be good citizens. Those are hard dynamic decisions that we sometimes don't allow our kids to work through. My guest is Ron Crescia. He's a state representative, Republican lead on education issues. We're talking about kind of the politics of going back to school. Uh, representative, um, let's get away from the politics. Let's talk about um, post-COVID yeah. academics, resources, teacher recruitment. These are not simple issues. And I keep right. saying with every labor shortage that uh, we've known for 10 years we were going to have a labor shortage when baby boomers began to retire and the pandemic right. kind of sped it along. What can the state do or what good ideas are you hearing from local districts? So I, I absolutely agree with you. I think that the COVID pandemic amplified every problem we had out there, teacher shortages, mental health, uh, you name it, low academic standards, underperforming schools, all of that stuff was just amplified things we were talking about. So what are the solutions? I think the first thing we need to do is go back to the budget and say, we need to pass a budget that's fair to schools across Minnesota. And we need to make sure all of our schools, the administrations and the school board are 100% focused on academic achievement. We have to make sure that any ground we lost on the achievement gap, and we did lose some ground, is made up and we get kids back on track. Uh, the the COVID response and the, and the way we went to online education only created a larger gap for kids that aren't reading at grade level. And one of the number one things we know is if kids are reading at grade level and they have quality teachers and they have someone at home that gives them security, if those three factors exist, that's the best chance that student has at, at success later in life. So we should focus on that. How are our kids feeling safe and secure at schools? How are they reading at grade level and how do they have quality academic or how do they have quality instruction? If we can solve those three things, we could probably move further along towards academic success and, and getting these next generation kids from high school into to whatever they're going to do post-secondary. When you talk to your DFL colleagues and you are working on an education bill and yep. you lay out those priorities and they lay out their priorities. How big is the Venn diagram overlap in the middle of where you agree versus where you may disagree? That's a great question. I, I think there's a lot of overlap. Um, we just don't hear about it in the media because what we know about, and I, I don't mean that as the media is not covering it. I mean, we oh, don't I let it out as much. I, I want to be clear about that. We tend in the capital to allow the left and right of that Venn diagram take all the oxygen. Yep. When the reality is, we know the only thing we constitutionally have to do is pass a budget. And then as we build out from that budget, we have a finite amount of money that can go out. We have a finite amount of resources. And we have to make sure that that is solving the problems of the day. So I, the conversations I've had with legislators in both houses and in both parties, we know we need to solve that problem. And I wished we focused more on that. But unfortunately, in a campaign year and in our districts, what gets all the attention is the entertainment carnival sideshow things of, frankly, you know, 
our schools are losing control. They're not. They're trying to work through a really difficult situation with really difficult workforce problems and academics of teachers. So I, I think to your point, if I could ask my colleagues to do one thing, and that is, can we focus on the budget and can we focus on a better school system in the future and let the sideshow stuff go away for a while, I think we'd have better results. We probably have better perception. Final question uh, this week for uh, you on this topic. Um, what are you hearing from candidates as they door knock about education? What's the mindset of Minnesota as you're hearing it about schools going back this fall? I spent a lot of time in towns under 10,000. Okay. And when I talk to rural communities, the number one focus we're about to come into the fall. We're about to come into football, volleyball, cross country. We're about to come into the school, be in the center of the community for the next 10 weeks. We have to remember that these schools and these communities have to survive. They have to work for the community and they have to be the, the piece that holds that community together. Because if we lose that, those communities will just fall apart and fracture. Um, not to say that that doesn't exist in the larger towns. I'm just not there as much. And they're dealing with other factors. But in our rural communities, it is the school. It is the Friday night lights. It is the volleyball game and the cross-country events that holds these communities together. And then academics is part of that. Ron Krisha, thanks for joining me on Sunday Take. We'll talk soon. Thank you very much. Next week, we'll be live at the CCO radio booth with the state auditors debate for Sunday Tech. Show up, say hi, and be respectful this week. Talk to you next week. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at penfed.org slash savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns and Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.